You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, we got great fans here. The passion here and the support here is unbelievable. I don't think it's really rivaled anywhere. Um, having a hopefully a full stadium for this spring game is going to be special. It, more than anything, it'll give guys an idea of, of how great the fan base is and how, how strong the passion is in the state. History, tradition of this stadium, all the great players and coaches that have played in that stadium. I mean, it's going to be a thrill. It's going to be, you know, I don't know if night before if I'm going to be able to get much sleep because I'm going to be excited to call plays and, and just go out there, 90,000, great fan base. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be phenomenal. So I'm excited. Uh, the players have worked their tails off. And so I told them, man, this is a reward for all the hard work that you all put in. Go out there in front of 90,000, have fun, and, and show them how far we've come. You know, personally, you know, getting these guys, hey, this is a game. You know, it's Big Ten Network, let's go. All right, we're not going to sit back and just concede anything. We're trying to win the game. And uh, that's the mentality these guys need to do. Every time they go out there, it doesn't matter who it's against. We're trying to compete and score and get better. And welcome here to this spring game edition of the Husker Online Show. After a long offseason of sitting through a four and eight year, it is finally here. We will get a chance to see Scott Frost take the field for the first time as Nebraska's head coach in front of a full house. And really, guys, to me, yes, the game will be important. Yes, who stands out at these certain positions will be important. But to me, the day is more um, going to be remembered in history. The, the the first time Scott Frost truly will be honored and take the field. I'm sure the the former players in attendance will be as many as we've seen in a long time. You're going to have Coach Osborne with a more front and center presence. Um, you know, with with things going on now with Coach Frost, and I just think if this all works out someday with Coach Frost. This will be a day we'll look back at 20 years from now and say, wow, remember the day he got to Nebraska and he was greeted by a full house for an 11 a.m. spring game. And um, that I look at it more just the historical value more than anything for Saturday. I mean, there's a reason this thing sold out in less than two days. 25 hours. Yeah, 25 hours. Uh, this is more than just a spring game. It's an event. And like you said, it's kind of a historical point in this program's history um, The could be very well the turning point that people hope finally gets Nebraska football back on track. And so um, that in itself makes it worth the, the price of admission. And then obviously you got a little bit of football to add on top of that. As far as what happens after all the hoopla, the tunnel walk and all that stuff, you know, I think that you take most of it with a grain of salt. Obviously you can see if a guy, you know, looks fast, if he, you know, makes an impressive play or, um, you know, the offensive line is hitting their blocks, you know, those types of little things. But by and large, uh, this depth chart is far from being settled. Um, that even at every, the most logical positions of who you think the incumbent starter Stanley Morgan is, will start at receiver. Yeah, I feel good about that one. Yeah, but really outside of a handful of guys, everything is up for grabs this point. And those coaches have stressed it all spring. And so, I mean, this is just, you know, it's, a, it's another practice. It's a big practice with a lot of new variables in front of 90,000 people. But in, by and large, this will not define who will be your starters come September 1st. Yeah, and I think a lot of fans aren't really, you know, looking forward to, to seeing, okay, well, these are who the starters are, or, or you know, th this guy has is, is made these types of gains or whatever. I, I think a lot of the fans that I've talked with, at least that are going, that's they're going because this is a kind of a historical event and they want to be they want to be able to say that they were at the the first spring game uh, under Coach Frost. But yeah, as far as the the players go, and I think the the coaches are looking at this deal.
deal. Um, you know, it's kind of a special moment, but at the same time, they're they're kind of just treating it like an, like another practice. They want to see how these guys can operate in certain situations. Um, you know, can they take everything they've learned in in you know what 13, 14 practices and kind of put it together and and you know operate on the on the football field? Where are they at exactly with the with the new schemes on offense and defense? And um, you know, and, and they'll get try to get a good look at, at certain guys. But like you like you said, Robin, I, I don't think that you know this is anywhere you know near where what we're going to see in the in the fall um you know as far as depth charts or anything like that i think they just want to get a good baseline for where everyone's at you're listening here to the husker online show as we discuss saturday's red white spring game it's 11 a.m kick can be seen live on the big live on the big 10 network uh, weather should be not a problem as well um for for the crowd i know there was some concern going into the week it was going to be cold and rainy uh, I mean, heck, this is Lincoln, Nebraska in a nutshell. It was 81 on Friday, and it snowed 12 inches in parts of the state on Saturday. <laughs> so, uh, luckily, we won't see any of that um, in the stadium. But, guys, I want to see how the team handles the pace and the tempo um, over the course of 100-plus plays. They have not had a traditional move-the-ball scrimmage where they go out there and just run what they've been doing as a simulated game. Uh, they've done little spurts here and there, but Saturday will be the first time we see this team actually, you know, run a, a true scrimmage um, with the offense and defense, moving the ball with referees. Now, what's going to be interesting to me is they have some positions that uh, aren't uh, necessarily blessed with a lot of depth right now, particularly the defensive backfield. I think they have eight scholarship players in their secondary right now between corner and safety to where you have guys like Aaron Williams and uh, Deontay, uh, Deontay Williams uh, both getting reps at center and cornerback just because of the numbers. I mean, they don't have enough guys to go around. And so how they divvy that up um, in an actual game format to try and, you know, obviously keep guys fresh, but also um, reduce your risk of injury and those types of things will be interesting and maybe something that they're going to have to work around and get a little creative with how they handle that. But, um, you know, I mean, that was the one of the big storylines all, all offseason and all spring was how the offensive tempo was going to change everything this team does. And we're going to get a taste of that. And you know, I think that's probably one thing is not only can they physically handle the pace, but can they execute and make it efficient and make it look like um, the offense that we're hoping it's all going to be uh, come the fall. So, I mean, this will be a nice gauge to see how much progress they have made over the last um, you know month or so of practices, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a, a perfect product by any stretch. And, and that's why I'm glad that they're they're kind of doing it in the format that they are. You know, it's it's going to be like a real game, uh, and I like the fact that that Coach Frost said, you know what, we're we're going to try and give the the fans you know their their money's worth and, and kind of uh, try to entertain them. Um, you know, obviously they're taking out certain aspects of the game. You know, like some of the kicking and, and things like that uh, to reduce risk of injury. But I, I do like the way that they decided to go ahead and and split things up and, and run it like an actual game instead of trying to do you know these you know, these hokey you know I, I offensive linemen catching a yeah, punt and stuff I mean, like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that we're not going to be <laughs> subjected you know, I, to that. Alabama last year had media members field punts. Yeah. 
Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I've already had my media stunt for the week on a certain TV show. I'm done for the week on <laughs> yeah. that stuff. Yeah, I'd probably blow a knee out trying to catch it or something. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think anybody in the stadium wants to see any of that. They they want to see, you know, they want to be treated to to kind of a, a real game. Give them a taste of football yeah. uh, because it's going to be a long time between uh, Saturday and, and the lead up to Akron coming to town. Well, it's been a long time just in football in general. Yeah. I mean, no bowl game. I mean, we're talking about, what, almost four, over four months without seeing any taste of football. And yes, this is just a scrimmage. It's just a practice, a glorified practice, but it's football. And we're talking about Nebraska, the most football-starved state in the United States, in my opinion. So it'll be something to tide you over uh, through the summer and hopefully get people ready for fall camp. Now, real quick, as we wrap it up here in this opening segment, the rosters were released before the game. And You know, the red team is definitely where most of the heavy weight is as far as the starters and the frontline guys. But the white team still has some guys like Will Honus. Uh, You'll have Noah Vedrill and Andrew Bunch as the quarterbacks for the white. Uh, Divino Zigbo is uh, a running back with the whites. Uh, Jalen Bradley will be on the whites. Breon Dixon, uh, a very good outside linebacker who might be one of the better guys uh, potentially for this scheme. Uh, So there are still a few quality names on that white roster but for the most part things really lean heavily uh towards the red squad kind of when you go down the numbers i'm just kind of making sure i didn't miss anybody you'll see damian daniels and khalil davis uh they'll be on the whites as well but uh the reds are kind of i mean if you were to put a number on this game the reds would be the favorites uh based on you know they have most of the top guys yeah, and I think you know some of the more intriguing positions. You know, obviously, quarterback that goes without saying. Running back for sure. Running back, yeah, that's the one I was going to say with you know Bradley and uh, who, who I'm missing the other guy there. Oh, Zigbo. Uh, oh, Zigbo. Yes, yeah. yes. Obviously, Divine is Zigbo. I mean, obviously, those are two guys that um, are not only competing to be in the mix at running back, but are competing with for starting jobs. And so, um, yeah, you might not be with the quote unquote ones uh, with the red team, but you're going to get a lot of reps and a chance to you know make a statement uh, in front of a, a live audience and nationally televised game on Big Ten Network. And um, I think you can say the same with a couple other positions. Obviously, on defense, there's some guys that very likely will be starters um, on that side of the ball. So it's not a total uh, good versus bad. All right, we're going to delve more into the offense and the defense here for the red-white game. Uh, We also are going to talk some basketball. They lost an assistant coach. They lost their top recruit. And Tim Miles got a one-year extension to his contract. So uh, it is spring game Saturday, but a lot going on in basketball that we've got to get to as well. And then uh, we will give you a full preview of the recruits on campus this weekend as well as the ones that have already been here this week. So all of that's next on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The quarterback decision won't come for a long time, and I don't think it's fair to evaluate those guys until people are really familiar with the system so you're not having uh, mistakes that are going to get fixed just as they get more reps. We want to evaluate the guys all through spring and all through fall camp. We've got a group of guys that are doing some really good things, and I see improvement there every day, but we're a long way from uh, getting to a point where we're going to evaluate starters. And welcome back here to the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Nate Klaus here, and uh, before we get into the offensive segment, perfect time to try HuskerOnline.com. We've got a promo here running through the spring game weekend. You buy one month at $9.95, you will get Husker Online for an additional three months for free. Promo code HUSKERS2018. And you heard guys, head coach Scott Frost, uh, discussing the quarterback situation. Um, they've, they've put essentially... 
you know, their top two guys on scholarship on the red team for the red-white game. You're going to have uh, Tristan Jebian, Adrian Martinez, and then Andrew Bunch and Noah Vedrill on the white. And, you know, I'll be intrigued uh, to see Noah Vedrill maybe with a little bit lesser talent but more knowledge of the system, um, what he can do in his role, and, and also Bunch, kind of what he can do. But um, there's just so much more to go with this quarterback race that we don't even know yet at this point. Yeah, we asked Mario Verdusco uh, on Thursday uh, what fans should read into uh, how the rosters were divvied up between the quarterbacks, and his response was nothing. So there you go. That's what the coaching staff thinks about how these teams were divided. And I think um, this competition, uh, as Frost said in that little open, was uh, this thing is just getting started. I mean, you got an entire summer and probably an entire fall camp before they make an official decision on their starting quarterback or at least announce it publicly. So um, this thing is just getting started. And Saturday will be a, a pretty important part to that. But certainly it's only going to go so far in this evaluation. I mean, obviously, there's so many different circumstances with guys playing with, um, you know, different players, different teammates going against different defenses. Um, so you you don't really look at the stats or completion percentage or anything like that. What you look for is how does a guy look as far as having control of the offense? Is his, are his feet in the right place? Are his eyes in the right place? Is he making smart decisions? Is he not turning the ball over? Um, you know, those are the things that I think is going to be evaluated more than anything than what you see on the final box score. Yeah, the statistics can totally be misleading because certain guys are going to have more opportunities in the red zone, and other guys aren't going to have those those types of opportunities. And you know, depending on the situations that that they're in, um, you know, or, or the types of drives that are put together, I mean, that totally impacts the the box score. So uh, to to look at at the end of the day to to look and see who the leading passer was or who completed the most passes, I think is is totally misleading. And uh, and we've all heard about the tests that. That Mario Verduzco gives these guys, and um, you know he's going to be giving them kind of their their final uh, a couple weeks after uh, this weekend, and and that's where he'll really know exactly where everybody is at, you know what their overall knowledge is of of the system, and and that will kind of give them I think a pretty good idea heading into fall camp. But this thing is by no means over. Uh, I do think that Jebia and Martinez may may have separated themselves a little bit from the pack, and and that's probably why that they've been paired together they want to get um, you know at least a as, as good a look with both those guys operating on the same team with the same type of, of talent around them uh, as they can but at this at the same time like I said it, it's really you know it'd be unwise to to look into the box score and, and see who put up the best numbers on Saturday guys I'm gonna go there even though I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here but we have to go there I think uh, and at least discuss this out loud uh, Joe Burrow played in the Ohio State spring game on Saturday uh, we should know any day if he wins the job or not over Dwayne Haskins. Most assume Haskins will win the job, but Burrow looked really good in the game. But if he does not win the job, he will be hit the market as a two-year grad transfer. Joe's dad, Jimmy, played for Nebraska. His two brothers, Jamie and Dan, also played for Nebraska. There's a strong sense of loyalty uh, to Nebraska with that family. Uh, he's regarded right now as one of the top five quarterbacks in the Big Ten, according to some league writers uh, that covered Ohio State's game. Uh, they have two of the top five in the league on that roster. If Joe Burrow wants to grad transfer and he wants to go to Nebraska, I think it will be one of the tougher, earlier decisions in Scott Frost's time he faces because this is not your typical paid mercenary Sam Keller, Tanner Lee guy 
that you know you're just bringing in because you obviously want to bring in a transfer that's better than the guys you recruited. But this is a kid that really probably should have been at Nebraska in the first place that wanted to be at Nebraska, and he's a two-year guy. So I think if if it plays out and he wants to come to Nebraska and that gets um, you know too frost, it will be very interesting to see how this situation is handled. Yeah, it, re- it really will be, and, and there's there's so many different layers to this. Uh, that will go into the decision whether or not to pursue him if he does, in fact, decide to become a grad transfer. Because on one hand, um, you know, you, you want to look and, and evaluate, okay, can this guy help us win, you know, right away? Um, is know, he better than what you have is, now? Yeah, is he better than, than what's already on the roster? But on the other hand, you know, what would adding him to the roster do uh, in that quarterback room or, or in the locker room as, as a whole? I mean, um, you know, there's – whether you like it or not, there's always allegiances uh, – to certain guys uh, that have been here and that have you know put in the same type of blood, sweat, and tears uh, to the off season and all that type of deal, and uh, and if you're bringing in Joe Burrow, I mean you're bringing him in to be the guy for two years. So how is that going to impact the the current quarterbacks on the roster? I mean there's a lot of layers here, and and I'm sure that that Frost, you know, having been a transfer himself, will look at at all the different angles that are in play. Yeah, and I think you got to if you're a coach, I mean obviously you don't want to disturb the locker room too much and upset some guys but in the grand scheme of things your job is to win football games and if you think joe burrow coming to lincoln and entering that quarterback competition helps you uh win more games you do it uh and as far as you know winning over the locker room and upsetting you know guys because obviously tristan jebbia um who i think is the front runner to be that starter quarterback uh he he's really well liked i mean he's really well respected for being such a young guy and it's impressive the the job he's been able to do in that regard in such a short amount of time but winning can win respect pretty quickly let me ask you guys one quick question who who do you take right now jebbia or burrow if you had the choice robin joe burrow nate yeah i mean probably lean towards joe burrow he's i mean he obviously has more experience um but it's just not as easy as that though that's the hard thing that and that's that's what you have to i mean like robin spelled it all out there i mean sure he's better than jebbia he's got the ties to nebraska but could it just disrupt your entire locker room because Jebbia is so respected amongst guys? Um, I, I think that's 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 the battle that Frost faces. Uh, but I just look at Joe a lot differently than your typical yeah. transfer kid. He's right? not some hot shot guy from L.A. or something coming in here just to basically take a stepping stone to the NFL. I mean, he is a Nebraska legacy. He wanted to come to Nebraska, didn't get that opportunity, and now he's getting a chance potentially, hypothetically. And he may not to want to come that. here exactly, for all Exactly, exactly. There's That's, a lot of hypotheticals involved. He's going to have Florida, LSU, yeah. Oklahoma State. I mean, you name it. Any team that lost a good quarterback or doesn't have its quarterback worth a salt in the Power Five is going to be calling Joe Burrow. And who's to say that he's going to be a perfect match for Scott Frost offense? I mean, obviously he fits that spread style, but um, you know, maybe there's some parts of his skill set that don't necessarily lend itself to this style that maybe Tristan Jebbia has. I mean, to put those guys head to head, there are so many unknowns that it's really unfair to say automatically Joe Burrow's better. But I think just because of his experience, the fact that he played for Urban Meyer kind of gives him a little bit of an edge in that that race. Yeah, and we've been talking about Joe Burrow, it seems like, for a very long time, or he's come up for a very long time. But um, like, like you guys said, he's, he's going to have – uh, a ton of options on the table because it's not every day that you have a grad transfer that's going to have two years of eligibility remaining. And, and I think that alone is going to really open up the door to, to have a lot of teams be very interested. Well, it will be interesting to see just what the quarterbacks do 
in this final audition here to end out the spring. And then what happens after that? Because like I said earlier, this will be, I think, if it if Joe Burrow wants to come to Nebraska, this will be one of the tougher earlier decisions Scott Frost faces on how he wants to direct his first season at Nebraska. Does he want to roll the dice and bring in a guy like Burrow to be the guy? Or does he really truly believe that Tristan Jebbia can get it done? Or does he want to go the route of what he did at Central Florida uh, with McKenzie Melton as a true freshman and throw him out there to the Wolves and let him kind of get going his freshman year? And then by sophomore year, we saw what McKenzie Milton looked at. So there's a looked like this. So there's a lot uh, that we'll be talking about, I'm sure, with the future of the quarterback position here um, in the coming weeks ahead. Well, when we come back, we are going to shift the discussion over to defense as uh, Eric Schnander's crew uh, looking to put a strong ending here to spring practice. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, you're, you're going you're gonna to learn, you know, who can, who can operate in that environment. You know, who, who's the guys that when the lights turn on, it, it, this is a beautiful game. You can talk all the, uh, the, the stuff you want. Pre-game, you can talk all you want in practice, but when the lights turn on, we're all going to find out. And that's what I want to do tomorrow. I want to find out or on Saturday who, who's the real guys. Maybe it's a guy that's on the twos that needs to be moved up to the ones that when, when the showtime comes, he turns it up a little more. I don't believe in gamers, but sometimes guys amp it up a little more when the lights turn on. And I want to find out who those guys are. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was defensive coordinator Eric Shenander as he gets his guys ready for Saturday's red-white spring game. And you know, we're going to get a chance to see this scheme in action and things that we know right now. They're, they're going to be more aggressive up front. They want to go for more turnovers, more sacks. Um, it's not going to be this analytical drop back in a shell, bend but don't break. We're still trying to figure out what Bob Diaco's defense was. Um, I think it's going to be a much different looking scheme. And Nate, I thought this was interesting earlier in the week. We heard Shenander say this, that um, defense is more about culture than scheme. And I, I really think this spring, uh, with what they've done to, to preach turnovers, and I wrote about the peanut punch this week, and uh, it's a fumble stripping method that he learned in the NFL and a number of other things, that they're just trying to really flip the mentality and the culture of this defense. Yeah, it's it's all about you know aggressiveness and and going out and making plays and and not being afraid to to make plays. You know, and Barrett Roods talked about you know in past uh, the way that these guys were taught to tackle, they they kind of came to balance before making the tackle, which oftentimes led to them you know catching the ball carrier or or, or being you know made you know kind of making guys look like fools in the open field. Whereas these guys, they they want them. Fly into the ball carrier using their leverage, and and you know what? If if you if you miss the tackle, then and you use the right leverage, that's okay because you got another guy right behind you to to kind of clean it up. So uh, I think these guys are going to be able to to just be go out and be athletes, go out and get the ball. And like you said, I think turnovers obviously is going to be um, you know the, the the key here, something that they're really really working on, and in uh, kind of the calling card of this defense. Well, that's been one of the biggest criticisms from Shenander is and and uh, Travis Fisher the defensive backs coach as well, uh, they're not creating turnovers. They're not getting their hands on football, and they're not catching interceptions. And that's a problem right now uh, because this defense is so heavily predicated on 
creating plays, you know, whether it be the big tackle for a loss, forcing a fumble, getting an interception, sacking the quarterback. Those are the types of plays that they think change games. And so um, at the risk of giving up yards, at the risk of giving up points, they want their guys to have the mentality of making the play first and not being scared of the repercussions. And so that's still very much a work in progress, especially for that secondary. You know, Shenander on Thursday said that uh, they have guys that are running right with receivers. They're in position. They can make a play on the ball and they don't because they're afraid to make that cut in front or you know to take that chance to go and make a play on the ball and instead letting the receiver catch it in front of them and getting a tackle for a gain. So, I mean, that is going to be an ongoing theme, I think, for this defense is, like you mentioned, Sean, changing that culture and that mindset of not being scared to let anything get behind you and instead being the aggressor and you know taking some chances. Didn't last year Nebraska's corners not have no, any, any not interceptions? not a single interception. I, mean, I, 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 I almost like had a hard time saying that out loud, but <laughs> you think about that, guys. I mean, the amount of throws that went their way, and, and there were no interceptions last year <laughs> yeah. by a corner. Yeah. And that's what you get with, with passive coverage. When you're playing 12 yards off the ball, you're not going to make plays on the football because you can't because you're too far away from it. And so that's, again, is, is kind of just breeding this um, way of thinking that they got to completely reverse uh, what these guys were taught all last season. And that's going to take time and it's probably going to take on into the season before that fully sets in and those guys start you know, having that, you know, the theme, no fear of failure, uh, whatever it is, no fear of failure, yeah. <laughs> You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we discuss defensive storylines for Saturday, and they still haven't really kind of put all the pieces into this scheme. Uh, as far as like outside linebacker, they call it the Buck and the Sam. Last year it was the Cat and the Dog, um, but for them, um, you know, nobody is truly assigned as a Buck. I asked Javon Dewitt that. I go, "Who are your outside linebackers like on each side right now?" The Buck and in the Sam, and he said that's a good question. Um, right now, they're cross-training guys right and left uh, to kind of see who the fits are. But he said we still don't really have that kind of hybrid defensive end guy um, that truly can be that hand on the ground outside linebacker edge guy. And that might be Caleb Tanner, Nate, when he gets here on campus. Yeah, I think Caleb Tanner is going to have a, a terrific chance to play a lot and, and kind of be that guy that. Um, that that walk down, you know, uh, outside that would, linebacker. That would be the buck, right? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, it it all depends on on uh, you know how they want to run their scheme. field boundary. Yeah, diff different yeah. terminologies. But um, but yeah, they they don't necessarily have that guy. You know, they they've got players like Alex Davis. You know, who who looks the part, uh, who looks like someone who could do that. He's got the length to to be able to do that. Uh, but like you said, they're they're kind of cross training these guys, trying to just get them up to speed with. Uh, with the defense and being able to, to play either position depending on you know what what they see or where they're at or, or what package they they may or may not be in at, at that given point in time but um, yeah that's uh, to me outside linebacker is one of those positions where it's it's going to be pretty fascinating to see you know does does a Alex da has Alex Davis progressed you know does a guy like Colin Miller who who last year at this point in time was you know was making a big push and then had that injury. he was playing inside last year yeah, right now yeah. he's outside again. Yeah. And uh, I mean, or, or what's Breon Dixon look like? You know, if if he gets that waiver, you know, how big of an impact could he possibly have on this defense at that outside linebacker position? I mean, there's a lot of guys there at that spot that um, you know you you think they have the opportunity to step up, but who's really going to be able to to do it? And Javon DeWitt described it the best for these two outside linebacker spots. One 
almost has to be dang near like a former strong safety that can cover the pass and also, you know, set the edge. And I think that would be like a Breon Dixon, maybe a Luke Gifford type. The other has to be a guy that can be comfortable putting his hand in the ground. So um, in a nutshell, Robin, that's kind of how they want to set the edge on this defense. Yeah, and that's kind of the what you would expect. But I think that, as Nate mentioned, versatility is going to be a theme not only at outside linebacker but across the board. I mean, the ability to play multiple positions I think is going to be one of the biggest determining, determining factors in who sees the field the most. Um, on defensive line, I mean, guys are having to play inside and outside. Um, both inside linebacker spots have to be able to flip and be you know the guy calling the plays and the, the off linebacker. <laughs> Obviously, we talked about outside linebacker. And then the depth that's in the secondary right now. Uh, you got safeties playing corner. You have a guy like Deontay Williams who's playing safety, nickel, and corner. And so that you know, versatility is the name of the game right now with this defense. And um, you're not just going to lock in and train at one spot. You have to be able to do multiple assignments at any given point because the last thing this defense wants to do is become predictable. Because when you're predictable, it's a lot harder to make plays. And so by having different guys that can do different things, that really makes offenses think and puts yourself in position to make those turnovers and those game-changing plays. And one thing I found interesting, Nate, is you know I asked DeWitt this. I said, when you go nickel, which linebacker then comes off? He goes, oh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a linebacker. We might sub a defensive end off the field or a D-tackle, mm-hmm. um, and, and they'll keep the linebackers out there and, and have another corner out there. Right, that's what's interesting about this defense is they can they can do so many different things. They can give you so many different looks, um, you know, and, and they can be versatile uh, in, in that regard. So, um, and, and I think that just adds a whole other layer to everything. And if there was ever a time where maybe the the depth chart on the defensive side of the football didn't mean a whole lot, it's probably now because not only are, do these guys, uh, you know, are they going to be able to give you a lot of different looks, but they're going to play so many snaps that they need to be two or three deep at every position uh, because all those guys are going to at one point in time or another during each game are going to have to be out there and giving you quality snaps all right when we come back we are going to shift the discussion over to basketball before we close out with recruiting but there's been a lot that's happened tim miles got a new contract nebraska lost their best recruit and arguably their best recruiter um, in the same week so uh, we're going to get Robin Washett's thoughts on the state of Nebraska basketball next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. We are now talking to Nebraska basketball. And yes, it is spring game weekend, but my gosh, there's been a lot that's happened in the world of Nebraska basketball. And Robin, let's kind of first start with uh, what was a domino effect uh, for Nebraska? Uh, assistant coach Kenya Hunter announced that he was leaving Nebraska staff to join Danny Hurley's staff at UConn. Danny Hurley, the brother of current Arizona State former Duke point guard Bobby Hurley, uh, was the coach at Rhode Island, took the job at UConn, um, replacing Kevin Ollie. And uh, Kenya Hunter, known as a great Northeast recruiter, um, leaving the Big Ten to go to the AAC. Uh, for obviously what's perceived a better basketball job, even though the conference is not as good as the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, UConn basketball is definitely a significant step up from what Nebraska basketball is. Um, he gets to go back to his you know, natural recruiting roots, get closer to home on the East Coast. And more importantly, uh, it was a step closer towards his ultimate endgame goal of being a head coach. Uh, I think that... <coughs> being able to establish more 
uh, of those recruiting ties and capitalize on them. And being on the stage uh, of a program like UConn, uh, I think is kind of a natural, it's a small step, but it's a natural progression towards um, that goal. But as far as Nebraska is concerned, that's a major void. Um, He was far and away their best recruiter uh, and a huge reason why Nebraska has been able to assemble the upgrade and talent that we've seen over the last few years uh, because of the presence of Kenya Hunter and his ability to go into living rooms of these types of players um, that had probably never even thought about Nebraska basketball in their entire lives and sell the program to the point where they wanted to come all the way to Lincoln and, and play. Uh, so the it's, it's a big shoes to fill. It's not going to be easy, but um, the good news is that Tim Miles has kind of established a track record of identifying players uh, good actually above you know upper end assistant coaches that are still kind of waiting to be discovered i mean how many people knew who kenya hunter was before he came to nebraska you know michael lewis i mean he's kind of a a head coach in the making as well um you know and so i mean he has a track record of being able to fill um open coaching vacancies of you know seemingly big assistant coach losses no early names yet at this point. yeah nothing nothing surfaced now but you know you know i think they'll find somebody and whoever it is their number one profile is going to be recruiter. Um, they don't need any X's and O's guys necessarily. They need a guy that can instantly deliver. Does it have to be an, an, another African? I mean, do you think they'll go the African American route again? Obviously, for recruiting and, and just to have the diversity you need on, on a staff. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe they go get an AAU coach somewhere that is a white guy. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily an end all factor, but. Um, yeah, again, I think I just, what it's going to be is whoever it is, it's got to be a recruiter. Then it's got to be someone that can deliver immediate results because next year is a win now or else situation. You can't afford to get, you know, some up and comer who's trying to cut his teeth at the high major level. You need somebody that can get it done right away for you and bring in some of this talent that you have lost and could potentially be losing over the next month or two. Now, Robin, it didn't just stop, though, with Kenya Hunter. Uh, the, 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 the movement with his departure happened pretty quick. Yeah, uh, obviously, Xavier Johnson, 2018 point guard from Bishop O'Connell High School out in Virginia, um, who was regarded uh, by many, including myself, as the best player in that 2018 class for Nebraska, quickly um, requested his release from his letter of intent, which he signed back in November um, and was granted it um, on Wednesday. Uh, and so, you know, that's that's another kind of the, the, the next domino to fall um, that is a, bit, is a major blow. Um, he was regarded as their point guard of the future. Um, he was a guy that was going to play immediately next season. And, uh, you know, a lot of scouts that were watching him over the course of his senior high school season uh, were just scratching their heads at how Nebraska got a kid like that. Uh, and so that that's a big blow, but not unexpected given how close his relationship was with Kenya Hunter. That happens a lot. Um, is he the first? First guy ever, though, that you can remember that Nebraska released from a letter of intent. Uh, I mean, you've been covering the yeah. recruiting for almost ten years yeah. now. Yeah, it's I, been a while. It's rare. Yeah, and again, it's unusual circumstances, just because Kenya Hunter is a recruiter that Nebraska basketball hasn't seen in a long time. So, um, again, obviously, you would like the the relationships to go beyond one coach, but in this case, that relationship was important enough to Xavier that he decided that um, you know he just didn't feel comfortable at Nebraska anymore without Kenya Hunter there. So that that's a big loss. And now Nebraska has three open scholarships for their 2018 class to fill. And we're already almost all the way through April. So it is a less than ideal situation. It's just why I say whoever this next coach is better be able to bring somebody in stat. 
And would you think they could go after, like, Sam Gressel got released from South Dakota, the top player in the state. Do you, do you think they could take someone like that late just to add a guy, or do you think they're going to be pretty selective? I mean, you can't be overly selective just because there's just not a lot out there. Um, I do think they're going to get some sort of, you know, immediately eligible grad transfer, uh, junior college guy, you know, somebody that can come in and be an immediate impact. They can't take a project. Uh, you know, they already have one of those in Brady Hyman, who I guess the original plan was for him to redshirt next year, but... Just by numbers standpoint, he might not be able to. It might be in a Jacob Hammond situation. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, not a, it's not a great situation right now in any stretch for Nebraska. But um, they've been in dire times before. I mean, just look back a year ago when everybody thought the program was 13th. imploding. Yeah, they, they lost everybody on the roster. And, you know, Miles is, you know, what's going on? They respond by winning 22 games and going 13-5 and five in the Big Ten. So it's, it's not undoable, but definitely not ideal. You're listening here to the Husker online show, Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as we discuss uh, the roster situation now. And then uh, to Miles, he got a one-year extension on the contract, and this was we knew he was being extended. Uh, our, our own Steve Rosen uh, broke that news with Bill Moose in an interview a few weeks back, but we didn't know the length, we didn't know the money, we didn't know the buyouts, the guarantees. What we learned this week, Robin, was it was the bare minimum of minimum extensions. And honestly, I think that's why it took 51 days from the end of the season until it was announced earlier this week that um, that extension was finally agreed upon. Um, I Miles probably was looking around. Yeah, I mean, there's no I, doubt he well, was. Well, I think Miles was looking around. I think Nebraska was looking around, to be quite honest. Uh, and I think what happened was uh, Bill Moose couldn't find the guy he wanted. Or, and Miles couldn't find the job he wanted. Exactly. So and we're so, just going to extend the marriage. So, yeah, just push the status quo and make it yet another win-it-or-lose-it season uh, for the third year in a row under this coaching staff. And my beef with this whole thing is – you know, I guess I don't know what exactly Moose's master plan is here. I mean, obviously, publicly, he's saying that we have faith in what Tim's doing here. You know, we, he is our coach next season, and, um, you know, we, we think he's doing a good job. But an extension like that certainly is talking out of the other side of your mouth because uh, clearly you don't have enough faith in him to secure him. Not only – I'm not talking about like a five-year deal, but not even like a, a two- to three-year deal to at least get his contract to where a potential freshman in the 2018 class can play all four seasons under the same coach. I mean, that, that's just like bare minimum It's stuff. the kind of extension you get like if you're at like a small school with no money. Yeah, exactly. You know, like if you're at like a Dakota school or something and they don't have the money to pay buyouts, they give you small contracts like this. But yeah. not a the Big Ten. Yeah, so essentially they're just keeping the program stuck in neutral. I mean, it doesn't help Tim Miles, obviously, because you keep this shadow of uncertainty and speculation and rumor hovering over the program. It creates unnecessary hurdles in recruiting. It creates stress, not only for the coaching staff, but the players feel it too. Um, it's just kind of an uncomfortable environment that you're breeding uh, just by not investing um, in any more than the bare minimum. And then for Nebraska's side, I mean, you know, look, look to talk ahead of next year so miles does great he wins 25 games he's gone he's gonna leave yeah so yeah you don't you have shown little faith in him and you know did not invest in him so what what reason would he be have to stick around and be the long-term solution here and then if he's he tanks wins 12 games what the what's the roster going to look like in 2019-20 i mean this is senior heavy 
uh, roster to begin with next year, and then you add in any potential defects um, from you know some of the underclassmen, the new coach, whoever you get, is going to come in with a huge task on his hands of assembling a team that can compete in the Big Ten on probably pretty short notice. So, I mean, you're, you're not only making your current coach having to do this whole thing with one hand tied behind his back, but the next coach, theoretically, if you have him lined up or whoever you're going to go to, is going to have a very steep hill to climb to get this thing back to where you know you want it to be in the, in the end all be all. Well, it's going to be interesting, Robin, uh, to see it all play out, but Tim Miles gets a year extension. They lose Kenya Hunter and recruit Xavier Johnson. Quite a week for Nebraska basketball. When we come back, uh, we will flip back over to the spring game. It's going to be a busy weekend. About 15 different offered recruits will be in town. Uh, Another three visited here during the week, uh, including Omaha Burke linebacker Nick Henrich. We'll get Nate Klaus's thoughts on all of that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Oh, it was awesome. You know, I love going in these small towns and seeing the downtowns and the, you know, the, the architecture and everything and then get to the schools and, you know, some schools they hadn't seen us in a little bit, so they were appreciative of being there. We don't want to miss anybody, whether it's a scholarship kid or a walk-on, so and we want these coaches to feel that they're part of this family. It's very important to us, you know, and a guy, you know, there's one school that didn't have anybody for four years but had an eighth grader that's six foot five, well, you know, and that's four years-ish from now, five years, but we don't want to miss on that kid and if we don't go in there we don't know about him so we want our we want these Nebraska coaches to know that that we want them to be a part of this deal in our journey to get this place back to where it needs to be and welcome back here to the Husker Online show Sean Callahan Nate Klaus final segment here as we talk some recruiting and it is a busy week for Nebraska obviously with the red white spring game here on Saturday but uh, a number of offered recruits made their way to campus uh, for some unofficial visits. But um, let's start first, Nate. The coaching staff went out to about 35 high schools, six coaches, uh, really each hit about six to eight different schools um, over not just the Omaha area, but they were in southeastern Nebraska, all the way up to Norfolk, all the way out to Grand Island and Hastings. And, you know, I think they would have liked to have gone even further west, but they were a little limited with practice on Thursday, uh, having to be back for that. And uh, they'll, they'll make another run out west. But uh, an impressive effort. And I think the thing that jumped out to us the most is the coaches just felt that this was genuine. This wasn't a big social media campaign. You didn't see graphics and the swarm tour, the blitz, and pictures of coaches in front of schools. There were two tweets made the whole day. One by Ryan Held that was just a, you know, a common tweet with no graphic, and another by a recruiting staffer, no graphics. So it was really a different approach than, say, what last year's was, um, but I think an approach the, coach, the coaches around the state really appreciated. Yeah, they definitely did. I think it made a big impression on those guys. Um, and, and I think it's important that the first place they, they hit is Nebraska. Um, this is the first time they've been on the road since the spring evaluation period has opened. And, and when you want to come in and say, hey, the in-state kids are important to us, the, the Nebraska high school football coaches are important to us, uh, but don't spend time in-state right, right off the bat, I, I think it can kind of work against you a little bit. But so I think in that regard, it was important to get out there. And, and like you heard Coach Held say, I think that a lot of these schools.
schools. Nebraska really hasn't been in a whole lot over you know the last ten years or more, and so it's important to to even if those guys don't have a player right now, it's important to foster those relationships and and to learn about the kids that they do have coming up, and and to get those guys to camp and and just you know make them feel like they are a part of everything. And it was a continued conversation from the coaches' clinic, Nebraska. Um, hosted about 700 high school coaches on Friday and Saturday. Uh, pretty much anyone um, who's anybody in the state of Nebraska was in Lincoln as a high school coach. So a lot of, for a lot of these guys, I mean, they they went out and had a few beers with these coaches, got to know them all weekend, and then, oh, by the way, we're going to be back in your school Wednesday and continue the conversation. So it was a great deal. But, Nate, let's move forward here. Um, let's first hit visitors on campus. Nick Henrich made his way as well as a few other guys on campus this week before the red-white game that Holt Husker offers. Yeah, you start uh, with uh, Isaac Townsend, who was in uh, from Colorado over the weekend. A big 6'7", 235-pound defensive end that, that Nebraska has offered. Uh, and it was really his first time to, to get a, a chance to see everything in Lincoln and, and to get an opportunity to, to spend a lot of time with the coaches. Uh, and he came away very, very impressed. You know, this is uh, a guy that I think kind of fits the the body type, um, you know, and the length that they're looking for on the defensive side of the football, especially at the defensive end position, and uh, and he's certainly you know garnering a, a lot of attention. Just picked up an offer from Oregon uh, before he headed to Nebraska, and uh, and you know I, he told me bottom line that he's excited about what's taking place in Lincoln, and that, and that he's planning on coming back. Uh, and then you mentioned Nick Henrich. I, I think that was a crucial unofficial visit uh, for Nebraska. Um, you know, and, and him arriving on campus kind of, uh, you know. They moved some ground on this visit, yeah, didn't they, Nate? Yeah, they, they really did. Uh, they, they've now hosted all five of the, the in-state kids that they've offered for 2019 uh, on campus. And, and to be able to have a kind of a laid-back day where it was just uh, Nick and his family and uh, be able to for him to watch practice and spend the rest of the day with the coaching staff I, I think was extremely important and you know one of his main takeaways from the whole thing was that uh, Nebraska definitely made it made him know that, that he's a priority for for him or for them and uh, and I think that made him feel good and uh, one thing that really stood out to me when I talked with him was that he said it was really important for him to know that his parents enjoyed the visit as much as he did. In the backstory the dad played tennis at Iowa they have deep Iowa Hawkeye connections and roots. Yeah, and so for him to say that, I think is uh, is is pretty telling. Um, you know, I think that his relationship uh, with the coaching staff, especially with Barrett Rude, is is really pretty strong. Uh, and Barrett Rude has made up a lot of ground here. I think there was for a, a time, uh, you know, Nebraska was behind a, a several schools. You know, and this is a guy that it seems like he's picking up a new offer every couple of days. So uh, I think they did make up a, a ton of ground. I'm not sure if they're the leader, but uh, they're certainly right there towards the top, uh, and he told me flat out that this was arguably the best unofficial visit that he's been on, and and he kind of went on a little bit of a tour where he he's, he's taken six or seven unofficial visits here over the last couple weeks, and so for him to, to he doesn't be, show his cards very often, does he? No, he, he plays things really close to the vest. Doesn't want to give a whole lot away, but you could definitely tell that he was excited about you know everything that that they accomplished during their time in Lincoln on on Tuesday. And then one guy here uh, Thursday. 
Thursday as well, Nate, right? Yeah, offensive lineman McCade Matower uh, out of uh, Houston, Texas, St. Pius uh, down there in, in Texas. 6'3", uh, 6'4", 310-pound offensive lineman that they've offered. Uh, and this is a kid who, again, much like a lot of these other guys, they've taken a handful of unofficial visits during the spring. And, um, you know, I think one of the schools that he's just coming off of visiting was Arizona, uh, made his way to Lincoln uh, because he wasn't able to, to visit for the spring game, still wanted to, to get up to, to, uh, to Lincoln to see a practice and, again, spend the time with the coaching staff. And uh, we'll be able to, to kind of catch up with him a little bit later. But, uh, you know, heading into the visit, I know he was he held Nebraska in high regard. And, and I would assume that, uh, that the Huskers are going to remain in his top group of schools after this visit. And, Nate, uh, as we kind of – uh, get towards the end here. We have a lot of ground to cover uh, with the spring game. All four commits will be here. Garrett Nelson, Ethan Piper, Garrett Snodgrass, and then the most recent commit, Thomas Grayson, the running back out of Oklahoma. But as far as targeted guys with offers, I think the list starts with two. Uh, one of the Rivals 100, four-star wide receiver Kyle Ford, and then another Rivals top 250 recruit, uh, four-star defensive end Ty Robinson from Gilbert, Arizona. Yeah, and start with Ty Robinson. This will be the second time that he's visited Nebraska this spring. He has ties to the state. Both of his parents went to college at Shadron State. I think his father played football there, uh, and one of his parents is from Nebraska. So, uh, the, you know, the Huskers are are a, kind of a well-known commodity in his family, uh, and, and there are certainly some ties there. And so I think it's really important to, to get him back on campus, and, and he's got no shortage of options. You know, being um, you know as good of an athlete as he is, uh, and as big as he is, he's he's coveted by a lot of schools out there. Um, so to, to get him back on campus is very very important. And I would really, you know, he's a player I would keep an eye on uh, going forward. So and I, I would assume that he's going to really enjoy the atmosphere with ninety thousand people there. Uh, and so I'm excited to hear how his visit goes. And then Kyle Ford, the uh, rivals one hundred wide receiver that's going to be in town, is has developed a pretty good relationship with Troy Walters. And is really interested to, to kind of get a feel for the atmosphere, even though that it's not a, a true game day. But, you know, he's heard an awful lot about the about Lincoln and about Nebraska's fans. Uh, and so I know he's really excited to see what the atmosphere is like. Uh, and, and he'd definitely be a huge addition to this recruiting class if the Huskers can go ahead and, and add him to the commit list one day. Uh, but you know, I think in total there's going to be over 15 offer guys on campus, uh, you know, give or take a, a handful. Counting the commits. Yeah, counting the commitments, and and I think that you know it's maybe not as as uh, you know a group that that is garnering a lot of you know as much attention as maybe last year's uh, you know last year's. Um, spring game visitor list was arguably as good as it ever has been uh, for any school. For any, yeah, I mean it was it was really really impressive, and and there were a lot of household names there uh, on campus. You know, a couple of five stars and a lot of four stars. Uh, and so you maybe you don't have the overall star power or or names that are as well known uh, this year, but I still think from from top to bottom it's a, it's going to be a very solid group, and uh, and I would assume that that they're going to be really really impressed with the uh, the atmosphere. On Saturday. Now I'm just going to fire through a few other names. Four-star defensive end, uh, Gaiman Eford. Is it Gaiman or Gamon? Uh, it's Jamon. Jamon. Uh, John Bivens, a three-star running back. Chris Hickman from Omaha Burke will be back here again. Marlon Johnson, uh, the wide receiver out of New Jersey, three-star. And then, Nate, one I want to really get to because we don't have much time left here, but Mosiah Newsom will be making basically his third visit back to Lincoln in about a month. 
He's one of the top players in Iowa and definitely one of the top guys on Nebraska's board. Yeah, Newsom, I, I think for him to to make his third trip to Lincoln in, in the span of about four weeks is is really, really um, you know, a, a big tell. And he was a Hawkeye lean at one point in time, but I, I would venture to say that that uh, Nebraska is, is sitting extremely well here. I'm not sure if he'll be, you know, committing this weekend, but I, I would assume that Nebraska would be out in the in the lead by quite a wide margin after this visit. All right. Well, it's going to be a very busy weekend with the red-white game, but uh, it won't stop there as the recruiting coverage will continue um, really all the way into Sunday and Monday as uh, we'll have full reaction and updates from everybody that's on campus. So make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. Also take advantage of the offer that we're running through the weekend. Buy one month at $9.95 and you will get three months free by entering promo code Huskers2018. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 